Hey, we're in a series of lessons called Stressed. Wow. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've had a lot of opportunity in the last several weeks to be stressed. Anybody like me? From driving to kids to marriage to dealing with money to whatever's going on in your life, we all have an opportunity to take that stress pill or to you know, uh, smoke that, 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 that stress vape, and we just don't want to go that way. So we're, we're, we're teaching on how we can uh, avoid taking that and avoid being just just bombarded with that without having any kind of pushback. And, and so again, just by, by way of setting up where we've been, uh, kind of get you where we're going to go today. If you've got a Bible or you've got, you got your U version there, just open up to one scripture. Or we're going to kind of build everything off this one passage of scripture, these two. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So note takers, you can write that down. But, but stress, again, setting the table today where we've been and where we're going to go, is that stress is a medical condition, they t- say, in a medical condition, a context, I should say, that's either physical, mental, or an emotional factor that causes bodily or mental tension. So stress will mess with you physically. Stress will mess with you mentally, of course. Stress will mess with you emotionally, and, and it'll cause tension, is what they tell us, the, the, the medical community. Uh, Stress can come from your psychological situation, things going on in your mind. Stress can come from your environment, your home, your work, the place you live. If you're living in a a real kind of crazy spot, like let's say you're living down in Mexico and there's cartels and all, how many know your stress level is a little bit higher? Uh, We know that stress can come from social situations that you find yourself in. You're just around some friends and they're all cray-cray and their cray gets on you. It just, so so it, it can happen. Now, 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 when I say these words, what kind of goes off in you? Let me kind of give you the words of the parameter we've been talking about. Stress, worry, anxiety, fear, depression, tension. None of those things are, are words are that you'd say, hey, I want some of that today. I, I want some of that today. None of that stuff is good for you. Uh, according to the AMA, the American Medical Association, stress is a factor, they say, in 75% of the sicknesses today. Stress, stress. Stress is killing. The, the, the World Health Organization says stress is America's number one problem. And guess what we do with stress? We go to the doctor and we take a pill. And so stress is our problem, and then we get addicted to medication. I'm not against medication. I think it's cool, to, but, but don't stay there. Let's take, the, let's take the medicine, and then let's take the word, which the Bible calls medicine. Now, 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 what we need to do is we come to the Word of God. The Word of God is going to give us medicine. So what I want to do for the next 35, 38 minutes is I'm going to give you some medicine. And the medicine, you take it. What you need to do is you need to take it every day, just like your pill says. Take, this, take these two pills twice a day. Take this all the time. Here is your and my medicine and how today to beat stress, anxiety, worry, fear, all that stuff that comes against us. This is what we have to do. I'm going to combine these two scriptures. I said this a couple weeks ago when we looked at Philippians chapter 4, that I have taken each of these scriptures out, but we uh, broached them together, I should say. Our first session, I want to encourage you to listen to that. Last week we talked about uh, over in Kings with Elijah and how he beat some situations. Today I'm going to look at these two scriptures. I've never coupled these together, so I'm going to couple these together. I think it's going to really help us in getting the full context of what God was really talking to the Apostle Paul to talk to Pastor Timothy. 
This is a pastor. This is a guy like me leading a church, and Paul's got a word for him. So if you think I am, uh, um, um, that I don't have to deal with this like you, come on, somebody, I'm in the game with you. This is something I got to do that you got to do. We all have our own little level uh, of stress and things we've got to manage and overcome, and this is what the Apostle Paul was telling Pastor Timothy. Check it out in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, he's saying, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, Fear, but of power and of love. Come on, somebody. And a sound mind. Check out verse six, though. Check out again. Look what he says. He says, "I'm, I'm writing you. He says, I'm reminding you. Come on. I'm reminding you. So in other words, Paul tells Timothy, Tim, I told you this. And I probably told you this maybe a couple times, but I'm telling you right now, I'm reminding you. You and I need constant reminder from the Word of God because we will forget. In the middle of a storm, we have a propensity to forget. So he says, I'm going to remind you. He's writing Timothy to remind him. He says, number one, stir up the gift of God. A couple different translations, fan into flame or rekindle the fire. He says, stir up your inner fire. Stir it up. Let me, let me ask you a question. Don't answer me. Do you have any fire in your belly? Do you have any inner fire? If you don't, listen, we got to get you lit. And the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will light your candle. Come on, somebody. That's what it says in the book of uh, Proverbs or Psalms. The Holy Spirit will light your candle. So you got to come to God. You got to come to the Word. And come on, if we come through life and it's like my wood, my wood is wet, baby. I need some fire up in here. And if you'll come and draw near to God, God will light your candle. Come on, everybody. He'll fire you up. It's one thing to be fired up. It's one thing to stay fired up. How are you going to keep that fire burning at your house? How are you going to keep that fire burning at Coronado? How are you going to keep that fire burning at Big Bear when y'all hanging out roasting marshmallows? you got to stir it. you got to put new wood on it. That's what you do every single day. How are you going to beat fear? How are you going to beat worry? How are you going to beat stress? How are you going to beat depression? How are you going to beat anxiety? you got to stir yourself up every day. Man. So your inner life, what Paul is telling Timothy, your inner life is the most important life about you. You are a spirit, you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and intellect, and you live in a body. Don't just concentrate on your body. I think it's cool. I believe in eating right, although I went crazy last night and ate a bunch of cookie dough. Can I get an amen in the room? I believe in trying to keep your body as best it can. Uh, uh, keep your mind renewed you know, along the word of God. Don't think crazy thoughts. Just you know, challenge yourself. We'll talk about that. But your spirit, man, is the most important part. You've got to feed your spirit daily. You've got to pray. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to get around people. They're going to build you up. You've got to listen to podcasts, teaching, whatever fills you. You've got to come to church and be open to what God's trying to say to you. So your inner life is your most important life. And, and, and it will take you time to develop that man so nothing on the outside will mess with your inner man. But if you work on your inner man... It will keep you when the storms of life try to come against you. Now, what I want you to do is I really want you to connect what he's saying here is that what's in you, what's in you affects you more than what's around you. Stir up the gift of God. Come on, stay stirred up. So I need to concentrate more. I don't need to have my attention on, I wish that would stop. I wish that would be out of my life. I wish he would change. I wish that would change. I wish traffic could get better. I I, I wish my mortgage would go down. It will when you pay it off. But listen to me. All that stuff, 
all that stuff is going to be there. So what's in you is going to affect you more than what's around you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, right? So, so, so look on the screen real quick. If you won't stay stirred up, you'll continually need to be fired up by someone else. Looking for affirmation. Looking for attention. Looking for affection. If you won't stay stirred up, these are the people that look around just looking with their hand out, looking for a meal. I'm going to talk about the street corner with somebody that's homeless. I'm talking about people that know God but have that inside them. I'm just looking for a compliment. Will you compliment me? I'm not feeling good about myself. And I'm, I, I fully 100% believe in all three of these words. And we'll talk about that coming up because I believe God, this is a God thing. But I'm not like coming to you saying, I need this. If you and I will stay stirred up, we're going to get all that stuff from the word of God and from our relationship with Jesus. Come on, somebody. So whether anybody gives it to you or not. You already got it in you. So, 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 so stir up. Stir up. We all have to continually be people who are what I call just a self-starter. You got to get up every... Listen, you got to win the day when you get up. And you just, as soon as your feet hit the ground, you just got to say, this is going to be an amazing day. I got some breath today. Come on, I'm alive today. Come on, it's going to be amazing. You got to be a self-starter. Uh, help me, church. Come on, come on. So what Paul, the apostle, is telling Pastor Timothy is if you won't stir up the gift of God, even though you got a gift, even though something's in you through the laying out of my hands, even though it's in you, he says, it's going to lie dormant. Again, connecting verse 6 and 7, it's going to lie dormant. If you allow fear and worry and tension and stress and depression, it's going to come in, and even though you got grace, even though you've got supernatural ability, it's going to absorb you so much that you're going to be full of fear and never do the will of God. Never. Even though you've got a gift, everybody in the room, you've got a gift, the scripture says, you are Christ's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. That, that he put a work in you. He, he formed you and fashioned you. He's got grace, ability in your life to do something amazing. But if you allow fear, if you allow worry, if you allow stress, if you allow the stuff of the world to say, no, you can't, no, you won't, no, no you shouldn't, you, even, though you're, even though you could be the next whoever, you're never going to do it because of fear, because of worry. Because of depression, thoughts I'm dealing with, and you've got to overcome that. So, so let me just encourage you, as we, before we kind of get into the second thought there about, you know, verse 7, let me just encourage you just about how, how do you stay stirred up? I've had this asked to me before. How do you stay stirred up? So let me just give you a couple things I think that will help you. Number one, just be teachable to those that are over you. Be humble. Be teachable. Come to church. Listen to me. Come to church with your phone out. Come to church with a notepad. Come to church write, writing down some notes because you don't know it all. Every time I go to a conference, I'm going because I want to learn. Do you come to church to learn or do you come to church because you want somebody to agree with you? Stay humble. I'm, still, I'm, I'm almost 60 and the brother's still hungry to learn. I don't know it all. I'm hungry. I want to learn from the older. I'm going to learn from the younger. There's people way younger than me that are way smarter than me, way more grace than me. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put, my, I'm going to put myself down to say, you know something I don't know. Help me. Teach me today. Come on. Be teachable. Be teachable. 
Number two, just develop the discipline in daily spiritual routines. How are you going to stay stirred up? You need to develop discipline in your spiritual daily routines. This is the secret sauce of your life with Christ. This is it right here. Daily routines. Listen to me. Every great leader owns the morning. Every great leader, every successful man and woman owns the morning. They get up and they are ready to go. Whether it's 4 a.m. or 7 a.m., whatever your clock ticks, when you get up, you got time alone getting ready with God. Put your phone down. You don't need your email at 4 in the morning. No, you don't. You don't need Facebook at 4 in the morning. No, you don't. No, you, you don't need nothing but coffee and Jesus. Come on, somebody. Number three, how are you going to stay stirred up? Just demand change and growth of yourself. Just demand it. Demand it. I'm not going to be this way anymore. I'm going to go new places. I'm going to see some new people. I'm going to do some new things. Man, I, I, I got to kick Kevin back here. Ke- Kevin's helping us in the team back there. He's 19 or something like that. Kevin's been in the church. He and his family for about five or six years. Sister's up here playing keyboard, man, doing phenomenal. Uh, just we love, we love the, the, the whole family. But, but Kevin, like I, I saw something on IG yesterday, and I go, what the heck? That's, that was my response to him after IG post. And here was it. He goes up to Big Bear with, with a, a, a guy, a friend of his, and then a a girl, Candace, used to play piano with us in school. She's up at San Bernardino. And they go up at Big Bear just to hang out, being friends. Guess what friends do? Hang out. And he sees this thing. And he says, this is what we're going to do. They do a U-turn and go back. And, and, and they go take a helicopter ride in Big Bear. <laughs> Who does that? They do. Why? We're going to do something new around here. That's what we're going to do. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of eating Mexican, baby. We're going Italian tonight. Come on. How many of us something new right there? Yeah, do something new. Come on, stir yourself up. Come on, tell your neighbor, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Come on, stir yourself up. Demand change, growth. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to go somewhere new. I'm going to see something new. I'm going I'm to believe something new. I'm going to demand change of me. Come on. I'm going to demand change. So he says, stir up the gift of God that's in you through the laying on my hands. Then he says this, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. So evidently, even though Timothy was leading a church, a church at Ephesus is what they tell us, that he was a pastor of, even though Timothy had been in in the ministry with the Apostle Paul, seen all kinds of stuff, evidently what most theologians believe is that Timothy was just something inside him he continually had to keep a thumb on or a handle on, fear and worry. Fear and worry. And so Paul tells him, you need to stir yourself up that that, that these new responsibilities, these new tasks, this new assignment that God's got for you, you can do. But you're going to have to stay stirred up. Or else, the enemy will give you a spirit of fear. Let's talk about that for a second, because this is really interesting. And, and just listen, if this is new to you, you need to, learn, you need to lean into this, because there is a seen realm that we're all looking at today, but there's an unseen realm that's just as real. Can I say it this way? It's more real. So here's what this actually means, this spirit of fear. Here's what it means. Look at this now. It's never referred to as a depersonalized force. Never. Never a depersonalized force. This spirit determines how a person is going to think, how a person is going to feel, and how a person is going to decide. Stare that down. Take a picture. Do something with that. It is never a depersonalized force. Force, the enemy, and the tactics in the unseen realm 
want to continually mess with your mind and emotions and feelings and circumstances so that it causes you to back down, regress, digress, and never do what God wants you to do. That's why you have to keep staying stirred up. Because there is a spirit trying to come against you. Every teenager in the room, every married in the room, every senior in the room, every person who's been in with Jesus for 50 years, there is still demonic opposition trying to come to keep you limited and bound and held. And even though you've been serving God for 50 years, it doesn't mean in your 51st year you won't get attacked with a spirit of fear. What am I going to do now? I'm all alone. My husband died. My wife died. I'm retired. Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to survive? Does anybody love me anymore? I can't get out. Like, well, spirit of fear. Not a depersonalized force, a very personalized demonic force trying to come to you. So what's Paul say? God hasn't given you this. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. For the remaining 21 minutes and 45 seconds, let's talk about this. God's given me, come on, say it with me. God's given me a spirit of power. Let's talk about it. It means inherent power. Power means inherent power, inherent power residing in you because of who you now are. You are God's. Come on, somebody. When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he gave you his power. He gave you his power. Listen to me. You don't have lesser power. You have the very same power of Almighty God in your life. You have access to the power. You don't have it in the same degree, meaning God's all-powerful. You're not all-powerful, but you got the same power to overcome whatever's coming against you. So God has not given you this, this, this spirit of fear, of cowardice, of timidity that'll cause you to back up, but God has given you a spirit of power. Let's talk about this power for a second. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23, if you don't know Ephesians chapter 1, you need to get in that book, you need to get in this book, because that, that, that chapter, chapter 1, is going to rock your world and set you on pace the rest of your life. Here's what the Apostle Paul is praying to the church at Ephesus, which Timothy is now a pastor of. Here's what he says. God wants you to know in Ephesians 1.19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him, God raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at his right hand in heavenly places. He tells us how far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he, God, put all things under his Christ's feet and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, that's me and you, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Can I get an amen up in the room? Now, there's four words here. There's four power words in verse 19. Somebody said this, that the, this, this is the most powerful scripture in all of the Bible. Because in this one scripture, verse 19, the Apostle Paul lists four power words in the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. And he lists these four words that are now yours. Listen, you don't have to pray for it. You don't have to wonder. No, baby, they're in your debit account. Come on, they're in your checking account. You just got to get your card out and swipe your card. It's in there. The power, these four power words are in your life right now to actively resist any fear, any tension, any worry, any stress, any depression that comes against you. This anxiety, this anxiousness, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is in you. Stir it up. 
Thanks for the golf clap, but I'll keep going. Here we go. Four power words. Defined, they mean this, miracle working power. Come on, say that with me. Miracle working power. Come on, another, tra- another word means superhuman power. Come on, say that. Superhuman power. Come on, ability. Come on, say it with me. Ability, force, strength, and dominion. All these words, these different definitions are in these words in verse 19. It's in you. Right now, you have superhuman ability to resist that depression, that fear, that anxiety. It's in you. It's in you. You have miracle working power that can overcome anything coming against you. You have force. You have strength. You have the dominion to use your authority and say, back off, devil. He tells us now, again, in this scripture, in this one portion, the Apostle Paul tells us there are principalities, there are powers, there are dominions, there are mights. These are terms consistently talking about the demonic realm. There is a realm you can't see that's daily trying to come against you. It's not, listen, it ain't you. You ain't messed up. Listen, you're not messed up. You are not messed up. Something's just trying to mess with you. It's just trying to mess with you. So you have to stay stirred up and stay against this. So the New Testament over and over and over, guys, reveals this, this demonic realm of evil beings, spirit beings who are doing this. They're trying to manipulate human feeling, emotions, and behavior, behavior to further, we, sh- we could say, Satan's strategy. He's trying to manipulate. He's trying to cause things to come against you. He's trying to cause things, people to come against you, situations to come against you that will cause you to fear, back down, and just say, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to be kind of, I'm just going to blend in. I'm going to be, you know, a, a vanilla man today. I'm blending. I'm going to be beige. I ain't standing out. I don't want to stick my head up. I might get cut off. I don't want to go attack no more giants because every time I do, the devil tries to come against me. No, 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 no. And he'll try to back you down to being normal when you've got an unnormal God living on the inside of you. Come on, everybody. So when you stand, we just need to stir up. When you, come on, we got to put another log on the fire. That's why we can't, you know, keep coming to church. And that's why you need to get around a small group. You need to get around people that are fired up. And, and, and if you're around people that aren't fired up, you get fired up and fire them up and bring them to church. Come on, somebody. Amen? No, no, no. That scripture tells us that he's given Jesus a name that's above every name. Come on, above every name. Is stress a name? Come on, somebody. Is fear a name? Is anxiety a name? Is depression a name? His name is over every name. And he says this, he's given him as the head. Christ is the head. And he says, we are all part of the body. And he's placed all that stuff under his feet. Let me, is the head or is the body connected with the head? Yeah. And if Jesus overcame everything and it's under his feet, where are the feet? In the body. He says, everything is under your feet. Keep the devil under your feet. Come on, come on. Keep him under your feet. Depression, fear, worry, all other that, 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 those words that are trying to mess with me, trying to get me to go down alleys I don't need to go down with mentally, or trying to look around kind of crazy. Listen, keep that stuff under your feet. Come on, Romans 8 11 says, The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, come on, somebody, dwells in you. Come on, lives in you. Come on, the same spirit that raised Jesus, come on, the same, the same, come on, the same, come on, the same. The same identical spirit that raised Christ dwells in you. 
So you have right now, whether it's dormant or not, that's up to you or me. It's in you. You have resurrection power on the inside of you. That'll change you. It'll give you new direction. It'll give you new purpose. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power. What's the next one? And of love. Let's talk about it. Love, just mushy, Valentine's Day, cards, little cake, little red roses. Oh, that's cool. But, but he's giving you something a little deeper than that. That's, that's cool. We need some of that. But, but he's giving you something deeper than that. Check out 1 John 4, 18. John, who was probably closer than any of the disciples with Jesus, we, we had the 12, then we had the three, Peter, James, and John, and it just seems like John was the one that was leaning on Jesus' bosom right there at the lanyard right on his chest, asking him personal questions. Seems like John probably knew Jesus maybe better than any of those other guys. And he, after years, you know, he, he's aged now when he's writing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. He's aged. And he says this, there is no fear in love. Come on, let's read that out loud, everybody. Come on, one, two, three, read. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Keep that up, guys, for a second. I used to think the antithesis is, if that's the right word, or the opposite, we could say that way. Come on, that's Tennessean. Uh, uh, the opposite uh, of fear would be faith. I heard that in my life. Opposite of fear is faith. Mm -mm, that's not what John says. Opposite of fear is love. Opposite of fear is love. Love is greater than fear. Fear involves torment. Fear, somehow fear gripping my life. Somehow I've entertained the thought, God doesn't love me. I'm all by myself. I don't know what I'm going to do. God's not going to show up. I got this evil report from the doctor that says I've got a lump. I've got cancer. I've got diabetes. I've got this situation. I guess God's done with me. Fear. But if I understand God loves me, he's got a plan for me. He's got a purpose for my life. That love that God has for me can overcome all fear coming against me. There's something trying to come against you and God, the love that he has for you. John says it's fear. It's going to bring torment. It's going to bring insecurity. It's going to bring questions. And so he says you have to actively stay stirred up and resist this spirit of fear because God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love. Come on, somebody. I love this scripture. And again, there, there are, listen, all, you need to read the whole Bible, but there are key passages, if I could say it this way, and I hope that doesn't sound uh, um, um, uh, wrong, but there are key passages that I think all of us need to go back to consistently. One of them is like, there's several chapters. One of them is Romans chapter 8. You need to read Romans 8 all the time. You want to know about how to live in the spirit? It mentions the word spirit, I think, 18, 15 to 20 times. But, but in Romans chapter 8, toward the end of it, it says this. And phenomenal just grouping of scriptures. But Paul writes to the church and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Check it out. Don't, 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 don't read it too fast. So, so God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but, 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 but we're talking about power, but now love, love. He's given me a spirit of love. Give me a spirit of love. But he says, there's something trying to separate me from the love of Christ. There, there's a deep personalized spirit 
that is trying to come against my life. It's, it's, it's real. It's not, not human. It's demonic. It, it's in the world. It's, the, 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 this spirit that's not flesh and blood uh, situation might be used on a person, but, but it's this demonic entity that's coming against me, trying to separate me, trying to draw me apart from how much God loves. And he lists six things. I don't think these are the only six, but worth to note today. He says tribulation will try to come. Tribulation just simply means pressure. Pressure. Pressure is trying to come to take you away from the love of God. He says distress simply means anxiety. One translation says what this definition means is that you feel like you're distressed. You're in a narrow place. I can't get out. God didn't see me here. I'm in a narrow place. I'm, 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 I'm like a spider in a hole. God's forgotten me. I'm all alone. Don't know how to get out. Don't know what I'm going to do. Distress. He says persecution will try to come against you. Your love for Christ, your stand for Christ. Being blackballed, being talked about at school, being laughed at. Hey, you want to go to youth group? And like, ah, you believe in God? Ah. And you can, then, then you pull back. And it's trying to say, well, man, man, gosh, if that's my response. Maybe, maybe God doesn't really love me. It says famine or nakedness is what he lists. Famine or nakedness. My need's not being met. Man, it's like I'm struggling financially. It's like, God, how, don't you see? It's trying to come in, separate me from the love of God. This fear. Man, peril, dangerous, it says, actually. Catastrophes, fires, earthquakes. God, what's going on? Don't you see what's happening? Wildfires, people lost their lives, and it's trying to separate me. It's trying to mess with me. Even the last thing, sword. Man, again, just your friends or family, people, family members just die early. How, God, how? They loved you. How? Mormon family last week down there in Mexico. Gets massacred. How? God, are you there? What's the enemy trying to do? Separate you from the love of God. So Paul goes on in the rest of that chapter, and he says this in verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded, come on, anybody persuaded, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Remember that we just talked about that. These demonic realms... These demonic entities trying to do something, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. God had given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love, love. Give me a spirit of love. God loves me. Regardless of what it looks like right now, I'm not going to get away from your love. Come on, somebody. Not gonna let anything drive me away from your love. Not gonna be afraid. Not gonna ask crazy questions. Where are you now? And eh. no, 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 no. You're right here. You're right here. You're right here. Evidently, it's gonna be okay, cause you're just not right here. Come on. When your kids are small, you got your hand with them all the time. We talked about that. Like my granddaughter, uh, you know, four and a half. My hands on her all the time, going across the road. But then, you know, what's gonna happen here pretty soon? You know what's gonna happen pretty soon? My hands are gonna be off her, and I'm gonna see if she's paying attention. I'm watching her. I'm watching her, and I will jump in front of the car. I will. But I got to let her go a little bit. And maybe you don't see or feel God right now because God's just letting you go a little bit to see if you'll act on what he told you to be and to do. But he's still watching. Come on, somebody. He's still watching. God hadn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, somebody yell, sound mind. Come on, look at your neighbor and go, you need a sound mind, baby. Come on. Hey, this is what resists and overcomes every demonic mental attack and assault. A sound mind. Come on, a sound mind. 
So, so here's what I have. Here's what I have. I have made myself do recently is I have made myself tell myself, Gary, that's an unsound thought trying to attack your mind. That's an unsound thought trying to attack your mind. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm doing my whatever, putting on my clothes, and a, a thought will come. That's an unsound thought trying to attack my mind. Say it. Address it. Identify it. Kill it. Come on, everybody. Don't give it any place, right? We said this in our first lesson, practice displacement. Practice displacement. Deplace and replace that thought, right, with God's thought. I, I got to displace that thought, displace, and I got to replace that thought with God's thought. Come on. How many know if you ever hear something like that, Jesus said in John 8, the devil's a liar. He's a father of lies. So if you hear it, it's a lie from the enemy. And you need to actively resist that. So fear doesn't grip a hold of you. <laughs> Man, I love what somebody said. I didn't, this isn't new to me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't come up with this. I read it. He said this, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind or my head that Jesus doesn't have in his head. I can't afford to have a thought in my head that Jesus doesn't have in his head. Hmm. So the phrase sound mind, again, in this passage, here's what it means. And, and when you take that word and you break it down in these, that original language, Greek, it means this. It's a picture of a mind that's been delivered, rescued, revived salvaged, protected, and your mind is now safe. Your mind is now secure. Listen, this is what happens, right? This is what happens when you read the Word of God, you think about the Word of God, you believe the Word of God, and you act the Word of God. Then you will see the Word of God working in your life. This is what's going to happen. Man, I got these thoughts. I got this stuff. Wow. No, here's what God wants. He wants your mind salvaged. He wants your mind revived. He wants it rescued. Doesn't want you in that place. So he wants you to have a sound mind against fear, the tension, the worry, the, 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 all, all the depression thoughts that try to come. But, but now I've got to do something. I've got to actively go to the Word of God, and I've got to read it. I've got to believe it. And I got how, how can I? And I got to stand against it. That's not a that's not a God thought. I'm resisting that. I'm gonna I'm gonna displace that thought, displace it, and then replace. Not just displace it. Not just go no no no. I've got to replace it, or else I have nothing to stand on. I've said no, but now I'm not filled. I got to keep being filled. Keep being filled. Last scripture. Paul says this, Romans 8. Told you, told you you need to read Romans 8. He says this, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Anybody want life and peace? Yeah, come on. Anybody, come on. Anybody want life and peace? Yeah, yeah. Life and peace. So if I'm going to be carnally minded, I'm going to be fleshly minded, fleshly ruled. Well, you know, everybody has fear, everybody has worry. Come on, man, this is part of life. Yeah, yeah, it comes, but you don't have to be overcome by it. It comes. So, so listen, if, if right now, if I could say this really kind of hard at the end, <laughs> if you're saying, oh, come on, you're going to be overcome. But if you say, doggone, I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to make a change. Forget January 1st and I'm going to write down my change for 2020. No, I'm changing right now. Amen. I'm going to change right now. And the thing I'm going to start changing is I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change 
what I allow and disallow into my life. To be carnally minded, fleshly minded, it's going to bring death. It's going to be separation from God. I'm not going to see everything God wants in my life. But to be spiritually minded is going to bring life and peace. So a carnal mind, man, a carnal mind just won't even consider spiritual wisdom. The Bible? God? Church? Yeah, man, kind of like Sunday school, whatever. Yeah, but now? Really? Carnal mind. Won't consider godly wisdom. Won't even consider reason, godly reason. Won't consider godly counsel. So you have to choose what to think on. You have to actively choose what to think on. A carnal mind or a natural mind, he says, is going to produce death, worry, fear, negativity. It's going to produce everything you don't want, all that stuff you do not want. <laughs> going to mess in your body. going to cause you to have hypertension. going to cause you to think things that are crazy, that no, that's just not there. But a spiritual mind doesn't mean a perfect mind. Come on, no one's perfect. Spiritual mind. It's, it's going to bring life. And it's going to, bring, going to bring peace. Come on, bow your head. Close your eyes. Father, that's what we want today. Everybody in the room's here. We're not perfect. We're here today because we need you. We want a spiritual mind. We want to see you show up in our life in a new way. So, Father God, I pray that every single word that was spoken today, the worship, the songs, are penetrating our heart, causing chains to break and shake and things to leave us. And, Father God, that we wouldn't entertain a spirit of fear. We wouldn't stay bound and confused about what's going on in our life right now. That we wouldn't stay carnal, just fleshly, and just think only natural when we've got God Almighty living in us. Father, so today I pray for myself and everybody listening today here in this room and we'll listen on podcast or that we stir ourselves up. I remind you. I remind you. Stay stirred up. That what's in us will affect us more than what's around us. We thank you for the word. It's food for our soul. It's going to help us this week. It's going to help us overcome negative situations in our environment, socially, at work, psychologically, things that are coming against us. The Word is working mightily in us. Come on, while your head's bowed, your eyes closed, come on, just the next 60 seconds. Just give everyone the right to privacy. Come on, talking now for the next 60 seconds, it's just you and me. I can say three people, me, you, and God, right? Nobody else. If you're married, not your spouse. If you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend, not them. Just me, you, and God. Here's the question. Do you know God? Are you intimately acquainted? That word means not know about him, not heard about him.